Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey everybody, it's your very much inspired by Superman, but an anime character, All Might Bruiser Holden McNeely. Ha ha! I'm puking up a bunch of blood. You'll get into it if you don't know what that means. Jake? Hey there, (laughs) idiot. It's me, your hot-blooded rival, you little piece of trash. I see you listening out there with your dry-ass lips. Don't lick them now, you dry-ass lip-having motherfucker. All right, please. And you're a wizard. And I'm a wizard. (laughs) Somehow. And we are here to talk about motherfucker. My Hero Academia. Boku no Hero Academia. Yes, the beloved anime we all love, Boku no Hero Academia. That's right. And uh, yes, this is a long time coming. I remember when this show was a little more hot off the presses, Jake, you were kind of pushing me to check it out because you were really into it early on, an early adopter of the anime, at least. Maybe not the manga, but uh, this show has since grown, expanded, become such a uh, household name in a lot of ways. I think it brought a lot of new anime fans in from America because of its lovely little combination of a deep inspiration and love from uh, superhero comic books in America mixed with shonen anime tropes subverted like we recently saw with our Invincible episode on the uh, West side of things. This is the the Eastern subversion in a lot of ways. I mean, in this case, we're using subversion the way uh, most people use the word subversion, which is uh, way more (laughs) violent and fucked up than you expected it to be. But (laughs) yes, there is definitely some subverted superheroes in which, I mean, people get their shit wrecked into bloody pulp in this series. Uh, For sure. And also just that we don't see our standard shonen protagonist. We don't, you know, it's very much not, which I, I, in my head, and I think in most people's heads, is Goku immediately off the bat, which is, but we also saw it in Hunter x Hunter. We see it in so many different works of the, like, confident, Almost kind of, I mean, in Goku's case, kind of a moron, just like, but fun-loving, just loves the the, the fun of battle, and uh, just this big, confident, moron kind of thing, that, and he's just, 
uh, you know, that that uh, has this big end-all, be-all goal, but along the way, he stops to help whoever seems to need it because he's a good guy at the end of the day. Whereas this character, uh, we see crying a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. We see oh, precious Izuku, a lot. Mr. Midoriya, king of crying. Always yeah, crying, I love tearing it, up so, constantly. It's so fun to watch. It's so entertaining to see that twist on it and to see someone who isn't confident and who doesn't know, and, and who actually the main draw is that they are just compelled to help other people. And it's not because they have any other big end-all, be-all goal than that. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, I think, in terms of this work. There's also just so much fun stuff going on here with the superhero influence from America with the, you know, the kind of, but but the kind of superhero world where most people have powers, it's like a job. There's reality to that job. There's like hero licenses. There's all these things you have to go to. And and you could have powers, or in this in this case, they refer to them as quirks, and not be, you know, and be a fireman, be, be a not be a quote unquote superhero in this world, be a day-to-day person. Maybe your quirk just helps you deliver the mail better. And so that's all it is. One of the funniest things about the world of my hero academia is how it kind of marries the um, kind of the individualistic American ideal of the superhero, someone boldly acting as their own, a vigilante outside the system, uh, writing wrongs that need to be righted outside of like bureaucracy. You know, when you think of characters like the Punisher or even Spider-Man, the idea is that uh, society is too broken to let the system work itself out. Uh, whereas this Japanese superhero story, no, 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 the bureaucracy is part of it. And frankly, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it helps people. It uh, uh, gets people with the right skills into the right roles. It uh, compensates people. It like keeps things organized. Uh, it's kind of amazing just how a socially, uh, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, in, in, to make broad swipes at entire civilizations, uh, you know, in Japanese society, you're part of the whole. You know, your actions reflect on your family, reflect on your town, reflect on your school. Uh, you're less of a, a wild cowboy, or at least you're expected to be less of a wild cowboy. Sure. The superheroes here do have to answer, you know, they have to get good grades. They have to get into the right school. They want, like, sweet government jobs. They vie for positioning. And in a weird way, while, yes, there is, like, fighting evil in this show, the goal, like, fighting evil is just part of the job, in a way. Like, it's almost secondary to the hero's true goals, which is to succeed in this highly competitive field, which is superheroes. And the emotions that come from that, uh, where, you know, your friends and your, and your uh, the people in your coterie are, like, not only your friends, but also your rivals, in a way, that you're pushing each other to succeed, that... You know, you don't you actually want to do better than the people around you and get the fame, get noticed for whatever reasons in the story. They go into how it's either a personal idealistic love for the hero profession or it's just straight up. I'm here because I hate my dad and I want to prove him wrong or I'm here because I need money to help my family. Like all the various reasons why people enter the superhero field and then compete with each other to succeed in it. As a comedian, obviously, I feel a lot of uh, those kind of emotions, you know, the frustration of watching your friends get ahead of you, the uh, joy of succeeding and reaching that next level. Um, a very, An argument can be made very easily that 
the uh, author was kind of sublimating his own feelings about the manga industry and succeeding in that through the superhero metaphor. So it, it's, you know, you know, while Naruto was involved in like ninja battles and Goku was fighting space uh, magugus and robot magugus and demon magugus. Yes, yeah, of course, all the classic magugus. Yes, yes we know. I believe the every Western story can be uh, defined as uh, man versus magugu, man versus nature, man versus society, <laughs> society versus magugu. Oh, anyway, don't get me started on society. I'm hyped on coffee, magugu. Holden. I've been watching shonen anime coffee all too, week. Dude. You want to fight? Let's fucking fight already. Come on. I want to wrestle. I want to grab. No, it. no, no, Holden. If we're having a My Hero Academia <laughs> fight, my unique power is that I can yes. produce green peas out of my fingertips at will. But somehow I've manipulated and honed that skill in the ability to clog your windpipe with peas on command. <laughs> yes, that's a making very me good a terrifying foe. What makes the uh, quirks in this? What makes the powers in this interesting? Is that that interest? They're 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 sort of they can be seen as almost mundane. A lot of quirks, and then they they figure out a way to make them. And on the other side of that, any of the quirks that on the outset seem like a basic power they you know our mangaka finds a way to make it so that it's kind of a pain in the ass as well or something that's not just um amazing that's very that'll make you throw up if you use it too much or short circuit your brain if you use it too powerfully uh so yeah and we'll get into more of that but yes this is our episode on my hero academia and i'm glad we finally got there and if you were wondering at eight minutes into this episode what this is all about. I'll tell you. My Hero Academia is a Japanese superhero manga series written and illustrated by Kohei Horikoshi that has since been adapted to a popular anime series. The manga has been serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump since July 2014. And the story follows Izuku Midoriya, a boy born without superpowers called Quarks, in this scenario in a world where they have become commonplace, but who still dreams of becoming a superhero himself. He is scouted by All Might, Japan's greatest hero, who chooses Midoriya as his successor and shares his quirk with him after recognizing his potential later helps him to enroll in a prestigious high school for heroes in training. Uh, the manga and anime are important and beloved because they wonderfully meld the Western superior genre with the Eastern shonen genre and then subvert the whole thing right as fans of both are getting fatigue with both art forms. And the timing of this is really going to have a lot to do with why this show ends up being the smash out-of-the-park hit. There's so many things. I mean, not just um, super, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe being, like, just uh, outstandingly popular right when this drops. Oh, the single most profitable and ubiquitous media franchise in the history of the world, yes. Also, at this time, too, is a little closer to it, but coming off the heels of... Harry Potter obsession, obsession with children going to schools who have special abilities and that being such a big, wonderful like setting for different plots and things to occur. There being tests and uh, teachers and all sorts of, you know, field work and all sorts of stuff like that, competitions that people love to watch stories about uh, as well. And so, yeah, and then Shonen, Shonen, but, you know, been been big for a while and definitely at a point where people are starting to search for new directions for that genre. It came at a very specific point in Shonen Jump history because a huge series like Bleach and Naruto, yeah. which had kind of taken up the mantle from Dragon Ball uh -huh. and those series uh, had 
there was a refinement on top of the refinement that had existed before. Like, this is the first generation of uh, manga creators creating shonen anime with the lessons of Naruto and One Piece on board as well as everything that came before it. So we have stuff like the insanely huge cast of memorable characters with unique uh, visual styles and uh, character designs, all with their own uh, moments to shine and unique motivations. Uh, we have the uh, arc structure, the kind of... Uh, the idea that uh, My Hero Academia is built with a concrete story in mind and not meant to go on forever and avoid the traps that Dragon Ball kind of came up with with its later Again, it reminds me of Invincible a little bit. I know and Invincible is probably going to come up a couple times. We just did that episode. But Jake and I, talking before this episode started, realized we both made a lot of connections to each work. And one of those things I was going to throw out there was the clean, nice awesome animation style that I feel like sets almost a new gold standard for anime animation uh, on television shows, at least. In a way, uh, Horikoshi actually has kind of a looser, more cartoony style than I feel like uh, kind of like later Ryan Otley in Invincible, Mm. where he can make things like really sketchy and really erratic to reflect the mood of the scene he's drawing. Tons of... But that cartoony style also uh, lends itself to some really dynamic action with insane perspective and angles, panel layouts. Like, it's not a very uh, static, uh, I guess, property. Uh, Part of that style is the exaggerated cartoony characters, the uh, twists and morphs and smears, the action sequences. You know, nobody on Earth, I feel like, can draw a right cross landing into a villain's face as dynamically as Horikoshi can. Uh, Plus, the animated adaptation uh, is done by Studio Bones, who we talked about previously having worked on uh, both Fullmetal Alchemist animes, uh, Rasafon, Wolf's Reign, a bunch of others. And they do an incredible job of adapting... Uh, Horikoshi style like they do you know they play with the animation they play with the style they play with the pacing to deliver that kind of uh, emotional evocative tone that each shot demands and they kind of took part in this new way of doing things because uh, My Hero Academia is about kind of making up for the mistakes of previous shonens they release in a season by season way where they actually have time to uh, do the animation correctly and pace out the episodes correctly. There's very, very little filler, and the filler that's in the anime is actually really good and helps flesh out the other characters and give them cool moments. The tons of sakuga, uh, you know, which the term we brought up tons of time and time again for that lush, beautiful, like uh, kind of special order animation yeah. to deliver right when things happen, as opposed to, again, Dragon Ball and Naruto and One Piece, where these are. Shows that were supposed to come out every week, working animators to the bone, kind of uh, filler episodes happening a lot, a lot of recap episodes, a lot of episodes were uh, famously in Dragon Ball, two people just kind of stare at each other uh-huh. and power up for a little bit. <gasps> yeah. While as a uh, episode of One Piece would try and like stretch out a single short manga chapter per episode, uh, here Academia tends to f- use like one and a half to two chapters per episode to keep that pace going really well. And because they can, they have an off season, they can actually like take their time to bring these stories to life in a way that uh, 
ups the quality, ups the enjoyment factor. And uh, in an age of streaming, you know, uh, people, you know, can hype, get hyped for a season and then like rest for a second. Yeah. Uh, it's the difference between like Game of Thrones and a soap opera, like just the sheer scheduling and turnaround time and budget is going to make a difference. Yeah, for sure. Something we don't think a lot about when it comes to anime output. And we see it more and more. I mean, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that is unique. And then I thought about JoJo and I was like, well, I got JoJo does it seasons. They don't yeah. They take breaks. Right. It's the similar thing. But again, that hype train is so big when a new JoJo season is about to come out. And I think that that actually serves it very well well uh and you never get a sense of cutting corners when you're watching this show i mean it just is so splashy and beautiful and well executed and so that is all what comes together i think to bring new fans in to the fold that old fans love about it as well it, it really is something special that i think people should check out and what it's all on Netflix. So, uh, you know, maybe check it out at some point. And if not, then hopefully this episode convinces you. Uh, all right. So to get this all kicked off, we got to start with our mangaka, Kohei Horikoshi. And as you see when we get to it later, so go ahead and start planting these seeds now in your mind <laughs> that a lot of the show is in very much so a seemingly a metaphor for being a mangaka. So as we go wind down this road of how he got to creating My Hero Academia, just keep that in the back of your head. So Horikoshi, born in 1986 in the Aichi Prefecture of Japan, his mother was a consummate warrior that doted on him growing up, which rubbed off on him. Horikoshi said, I designed Deku to be plain and average on purpose, but now I'm not sure why I made him so boring. His weakness is that he worries for the sake of worrying and has trouble thinking on his feet. Like me, he struggles to make progress because he's always doubting himself. But I'll also say, I think this worry wart energy, by the way, uh, from a fellow son of a worrywart, uh, Horikoshi, I feel you, but uh, I would say he designs many of his characters to have anxieties, to have, you know, going back to what we talked about, and we'll get more in depth on it later, but talking about how the quirks all come with their side effects, you know, and, and side effects usually throw people off and put them in awkward situations, like vomiting <laughs> if you use your power too much. And then it's like you go from looking badass to embarrassing really fast. And I think that that is something inherent in the show that really endears me to this show quite a bit. And I, I love that. I love when we have our we have a really have an anti shonen protagonist here. And a lot of the characters are anti shonen in that sense where again i love the the duality of of like being a badass superhero and also being this weakling i mean talk, i mean best case right is all might and what all might turns into because of his weakness and uh yeah it's fantastic one of the most brilliant things that they did in the setup for this series is the character of izuku midoriya um our green tufted protagonist uh who in a world full of superheroes, he is one of the 20% of the population that is quirkless. And unfortunately, he grows up fatherless. He is weak compared to his superpowered classmates. He's a sensitive uh, son of a worrying mother. And so he projects himself onto All Might, the number one hero, and is obsessed with him in the way that so many of our listeners right now were weak crybaby children who loved superheroes because of the freedom and strength and righteousness 
that the promise of a superhero can deliver upon. Um, it's an in-universe kind of uh, way of reflecting the viewer's own feelings for superheroes. Because I remember being like the chubby, slow, weak, uh, crying, effeminate, um, stinky. Uh, 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 you're still you're naming a bunch of money. I, I still am but go on yeah yeah um constantly <laughs> dribbling pee anyway yeah all of those things i still am so and, i don't know about you this know remembering seeing thing. a superhero like batman or superman or especially with the marvel revolution spider-man uh taking that weakness and embodying not only the strength of body but the strength of character that you wish you had and having that insecurity and having that weakness take place in universe so accurately is a brilliant move. It makes Midoriya such a empathetic and uh, easy to sympathize with protagonist. Mm -hmm. So when he is uh, given the power of all might, uh, it's, you know, a dream come true. It's the ultimate radioactive spider bite, but then having to deal with the responsibility and hone that power and all of the pain, you know, great power comes great responsibility-ness of it is his journey. We're told from the beginning, this is the story of how I became the greatest hero. Like we're, we're wonder yearsing a little bit, even mm. though they drop that weird future narration memoir hook a little bit. It comes back every once in a while. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> uh, so going back to Horikoshi, growing up, he read a lot of manga and was especially inspired by, guess what? Dragon Ball, One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach. So all the big hitter shonen stuff. Horikoshi said, I was a huge fan of Dragon Ball, so I tried to think about what sort of other characters would exist in that world and drew those characters. So he's creating characters specifically for the world of Dragon Ball, which I think was immediately fantastic for him, especially an application my here academia in the sense of creating characters that all fit together in one shared universe and i think that that is one thing you could definitely admire about the many many characters fantastic character designs of my hero academia in fact character design might be the best thing about my hero academia if you get down to it there's just such a wide array of fantastic fantastic creations in this work his mother told him at a young age that he drew well which inspired him to claim he wanted to be a mangaka when he grew up since that's the only job he knew of that involved drawing he even wrote that he wanted to be a mangaka in his elementary school yearbook Horikoshi said, when I was deciding on whether or not to go to college, that's when I was also deciding what to do with my career. I wound up going to a design school, but I realized the skills I was learning there weren't really applicable to becoming a manga artist. But I graduated anyway. Then I freelanced for a while. And it just kind of hit me that maybe him feeling like a fish out of water at his design school might have actually also been quite an influence on My Hero Academia and the vibe that you get in terms of Deku there. Um so here's some big influences, or at least a, more of an a elaboration on influences already stated. Naruto is his biggest influence. It gave him a love of drawing hands. I like drawing hands. I give them a lot of care because besides the face, I think that hands are the body part most capable of showing expression and character. On the flip side, drawing hands that aren't expressive is especially tough because there's nothing to go on. Luckily, he didn't fall in love with a manga called Mr. Penis or something <laughs> like that because we're dealing with a very different 
situation here. I mean, there was an alternate version of Naruto where you could activate all the jutsus by wiggling your penis in creative ways, but that was quickly <laughs> shut down by the editors of Shonen Jump. I heard about that. You can only find that on the dark web these days, <laughs> which is very interesting. But also, I did think about Naruto when I was watching the first episode of My Hero Academia because it starts off with him being an underdog that nobody especially likes, which is a very which is very similar to how we come to find Deku in the beginning of My Hero. Uh, then there's one piece, of course, according to Horikoshi. I was influenced by how the characters just say what's on their mind. It feels very natural. And this is something that we don't think about here in the West a little bit, but I think more so uh, on uh, in Japan, the culture very much goes against that vibe. And uh, we're going to talk more about individualism uh, as a theme in My Hero Academia uh, later in the episode, but that's definitely, I think, all tied into the same thing, which is based on Japanese cultural norms and defying them in this work. Uh, also, like Luffy, Deku can't help but to help whenever someone near him is in need. Quirks are also similar to the devil fruit powers, if you think about it, as they're not superpowers, but rather strange abilities that can be turned into useful powers if applied correctly. Check out our One Piece episode, by the way, if you'd like to know more about the uh, devil fruit and all that good stuff, but uh, I digress. Hirokoshi also loves superheroes, as stated before. I literally have a Japanese translated version of a U.S. superhero title in my left hand, and I'm drawing in my right. He was 16 when the 2002 Sam Raimi-directed Spider-Man hit theaters, and I remember it too, Horikoshi. <laughs> I was home from college, we went to Toys R Us, and we got the uh, these like gloves that could shoot silly string by pushing on the palms. Thwip, thwip. They were so cool, and we were like hitting all these little kids with the silly string out front of the movie theater. It was one of the funnest uh, opening days of a movie I've ever been to, because we were like jumping around out front, all the little kids were cheering <laughs> as we were shooting out the silly string, and then we went inside and saw a really good movie and that was a great day for this guy and I'm sure it was a great day for Horikoshi as well because he loved that movie too noting the difference between the American take on the character and his own country's take via the Toei Spider-Man television series gave him a lot of interesting insight which is essentially what My Hero Academia ends up being. In I'm sorry way. can we just uh, insert a little bit of the uh, Supido Man theme song? Yeah. Please. Yeah. He becomes an avid Spider-Man fan, especially the Superior Spider-Man run written by Dan Slott and even dresses up as Spider-Man for the sequel film at the movie theater. So we have a similarity there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. 
It's incredible. I mean, uh, we talked about this in our Power Rangers episode a long, long time ago. Listen to that. It's a great one. Uh, and yeah, the s- Japanese Spider-Man is kind of what you consider the prototype for the uh, tokusatsu, henshin, sentai superhero where it's all about transformation. It's all about uh, getting your big robot in order. Whereas the um, a superhero in the Western sense like is just has the costume underneath his clothes at all times. He's just ready to go. It's just the the blurring of the normal identity and the superhero identity, especially in Marvel comics, you know, with their own unique problems. Daredevil still has to pay the rent compared to a Japanese kind of uh, Sentai hero who is literally has to transform into a nearly distinct entity in order to change his role in society. It's all it's this is all sociology, anthropology, uh, goosiness, if you want to like all of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He also really digs a comic series called Astro City, which is about, wouldn't you know it, a city populated by folks with powers shoved together. And the stories are told from the perspective of the civilians who have to deal with all these folks with superpowers. So definitely, you know, I I think when I think about this concept, I think top 10 Alan Moore, Mm -hmm. right? I wonder if he checked that comic out as well, because that definitely gives me some My Hero Academia vibes. Top 10 is about, you know... uh, Essentially, like a police force of superheroes in, in a, a world, world where everybody with is superheroes. superheroes. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Lastly, he's big into Star Wars. We'll talk about more Star Wars stuff as we go, especially when we get to the character All for One. There are even several naming conventions taken from planets and towns that exist in that franchise, such as Hop City and Tatooine Station. Horikoshi said, "I think it has a strong influence on drawing human relationships and teacher-apprentice relationships. Also, Star Wars has a tremendous appeal to characters that only." glimpse in the video uh i also want to be able to do that with manga uh so here we go this is his career as a mangaka leading up to my hero academia which is going to have a lot of impact on his great work uh my hero academia so horikoshi goes off to the nagoya university of arts to study design while there he draws his first manga which gets him a tetsuka award uh, honorable mention and so getting like we've talked tetsuka award comes up i feel like with every manga it's like how especially shonen it's like how you get your start he gets an honorable mention which is like a huge deal for any aspiring mangaka this gives him the motivation to take the whole thing ser- more seriously he does the second manga that wins an award and gets his work in the hands of an editor that wanted to get his stuff out there more. Uh, And during this time, he also serves as a manga assistant to Yasuki Tanaka, possibly most known for his manga Kajijin, which Horikoshi may have helped him with even on that. One of these early entries uh, is the one-shot Tenko. Yes. Which uh, you can find scans of it online. uh, And I found it uh, doing research for this, and it is incredible. It has... Uh, you know, it's not a hundred percent the kind of uh, precursor to My Hero Academia, but it definitely showcases his unique uh, me- mix of shonen action and cartoony uh, style. Uh, it feels very much like a mix of, surprisingly enough, uh, One Piece and Naruto's art style combined. It takes place in feudal Japan with this uh, weird little feral child named Tenko who discovers the ability uh, he has innately to disintegrate all forms of matter with his hands. And uh, if there's one thing 
that is a precursor to My Hero Academia. It's that having that power manifest as a baby is a terrifying thing that affects the rest of his life forever. Uh, a lot of tragic backstory that he reuses in My Hero Academia. But um, it's a kind of gut-wrenching tale about this poor little kid that uh, just wants to destroy all the swords in the world so that nobody else uh-huh. can ever be hurt. And um, it's got heart, it's got style, and if you can track it down, if you're a fan of My Hero Academia and you haven't found it yet, definitely give it a whirl. Tenko is a great little chunk of comic art. And even more of a precursor is a second one-shot called My Hero. Uh, and that's in 2008, so it proceeds Based My Hero on the Academia Foo by Fighters six song, years. It's about yes. uh, how there goes my hero, watch him as he goes. It's just about this middle-aged couple getting way too drunk in the lawn at a <laughs> Foo Fighters concert and uh, <laughs> getting into a fight with like a young couple. It's very interesting, very sad about just sort of midlife crises. Now, My Hero is... Uh, it's It's... There are definitely seeds that are planted for My Hero Academia to be what it is, but it's actually about a salary man who sells products to heroes. He wants to be a hero himself, but his body is weak and finds he can be a hero in other ways. He can act like one. The one-shot also has hero licenses needed to become a pro hero. The character Snipe, a hero who uses guns and sharpshooting, will find himself in My Hero Academia as well. And the main character's favorite hero suffered a near-fatal injury that left him less able to be a hero than before much like the character all might and again it's like he has to dig deep within himself and like i said act like a hero that was sort of that's sort of the the conclusion of the tale even though he's not technically one the main character looks very much like deku like midoriya uh same mop of hair i believe his he's called midoriya jack in this one uh-huh. he has i believe they actually just flat out say he's anemic in this one and so is unable to participate in superhero society, even though he loves them so much. Yeah. Short of that, there's a lot of like workplace comedy that happens. He's a salesman of superhero weapons and accessories. And uh, although the world is recognizable, uh, it's not till later that we'll get into it that the My Hero Academia fleshes. Yes. Shinko Rhapsody is another one-off that was uh, published in a book called Akamaru Jump. And the through line there is it takes place in a world where humans are evolving and mutating um, across the world. And that is definitely a hint at what is going to happen with the world of quirks in My Hero Academia. Yeah, it's really the most important thing for My Hero Academia, at least, is just to know that it uh, involves like a mass human mutation. Very influenced by X-Men, probably another hint at his love of Western comics. Then there's Umagudoki Zoo, uh, which is the first serialized manga which ran in Weekly Shonen Jump for Horikoshi. It started in 2010. It tells us a Beauty and the Beast-like story wherein Hana Aoi, a bullied teenage girl, gets a job at a cursed zoo where the zookeeper has been turned into a rabbit man and must learn to love and care for the animals of his zoo properly in order to be turned back. You know, just like normal Shonen fare. I tracked this one down because <laughs> there is scans of that you can find online and Wow, that one is a, a visual barrage. It feels it feels more One Piece influence than anything else he's ever done with these uh, very uh, bombastic animal caricatures. The idea is after dark, the animals at the zoo turn into like super powered animal people, and the main character is this erratic, almost like 
uh, a Joker-fied uh, Bugs Bunny character who uses a <laughs> carrot-based fighting Yikes. style. Um, <laughs> I jumped around a lot. There was lots of big shonen fights, but uh, his, it's very chaotic. Like a lot of the uh, insane action in My Hero Academia is kind of rehearsed for this run. Uh, but to the point of almost like indecipherability, some of maybe it's the quality of the scans. I don't know. But it was like the action was like a little bit hard to follow. Lots of big uh, anime style humor with characters kind of just flipping out at each other constantly. Uh, it seemed fun, but it lacked that certain je ne sais quoi that was going to turn the whole industry around. And lastly, there's Barrage on the Battlestar, the second series from Horikoshi that ran in 2012. It is a Prince and the Pauper-like tale centering around Astro, a young man from the slums of Planet Industria, who, after they both realize they are identical looking, switches places with Prince Barrage of Industria. Assuming the role of Prince Barrage, Astro must protect the land using the royal weapon known as the Org alongside Tiamat, the captain of the Royal Guard. This only makes it to 16 chapters. It's actually quite a bit less successful than Omegadoki Zoo, which made it up to 40 chapters. And that disappointment is what leaves Horikoshi totally in the dumps, wondering if he's actually cut out to be a mangaka, feeling very much like our protagonist feels at the beginning of his story. We talked about it before, but getting a manga into Shonen Jump is kind of like getting a television show on the air. You have to go through yeah. a lot of gatekeepers. You have to... It's almost even more like getting the invite to the chair by Johnny Carson. It's like even more special than getting a show on TV because you could get into a bunch of different uh, manga magazines, but Weekly Shonen Jump is the numero uno and is like kind of that wave into um, successful professionalism for a lot of people. So he's so but it's it's definitely disheartening to have uh, two kind of failing series one after the other like that, especially when you're a Tezuka Award winner. You know, you worked your way up. This was supposed to be your big shot. And, you know, at this point, he's like in his let's see if this is 2010. So like. You know, he's he's getting on in years. He's not the youngest upstart ever anymore. So, like, if this doesn't pan out, what is his life now if he can't be a mangaka? And he's doing the thing, and I have quotes that come later. We'll, we'll re- revisit what I'm about to say, but he's doing this thing I feel like all of us do as artists at some point when we're trying to, like, make money doing it, where we have to ask ourselves, do I want to create something that I think will sell or do I want to create something that I am passionate about? And I think usually the answer that works best is the latter, but it depends. Sometimes you just create, and I think up to this point in his career, his mindset is I'm trying to create things that I think will sell, and that is about to change in a big way. So, uh, and, and this is largely attributed to Horikoshi's editor, Koike, who said, As his second series didn't go on for long, he was strongly under the impression that he wouldn't have another chance. However, in all sincerity, I wanted to read Horikoshi's next title and had been encouraging him and telling him that wasn't the case. Those weren't just some lighthearted words as I truly believed he could create a great title if he just had the motivation. So he's trying to get him, like I said, to work on something that would actually excite him rather than sellability. Horikoshi also loved drawing monsters and creatures and so it would behoove 
behoove him to create a world in which he could do that all the time. Like, what? Well, let's let's go. Let's let's do something that just thrills you to no end, and then that'll get across to the to the reader. This brought Horikoshi back to his My Hero one shot, and together with Koike, the two set out to serialize it. Horikoshi said, "My editor at the time told me the main character of that old My Hero one shot you drew is the most you like." of any of your work so far, don't you think? So the decision to rewrite My Hero is what led to My Hero Academia. In my previous series, there was a part of me overreaching to try and draw things that I'm not, but My Hero was a one-shot I drew easily. I'm normally slow at drawing name drafts, r- rough storyboard. Oh, but a name draft is a rough storyboard of, of a manga. I love that the editor is just like, you know, you've been dealing with these space operas and like zoo <laughs> adventures, but the Horikoshi that I know is uh, so weak and anxious. Yeah, Why not? He's such a nervous little slug. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm normally slow at drawing name drafts, but don't remember having any problems with that one. I remembered it going really smoothly, so I decided to draw a series name based on that. Horikoshi said the one shot was about a businessman, but I decided that that probably wouldn't work for a series, so changed the main character to a student. That's when we decided to make the stage for the story a hero school, academia. And the theme from the original one shot worked well within a school, which centers around a character attempting to answer the question, how do I become a hero? And so, yes, Horikoshi is like the main reason for the season when it comes to what's behind My Hero Academia. But man, Koike deserves almost half the credit because he's working closely with Horikoshi. Their approach takes different forms. Koike said, sometimes it was just about the conversation. Sometimes we talked about drawing the scenes and sometimes we also talked about the characters' designs. Many times we've gone on endlessly about the concepts and sometimes we worked on the concept while finishing the storyboards. This procedure varies depending on the titles and authors. However, the, the series is picked up for Weekly Shonen Jump There was, uh, and then there was actually a change in editor. Koike, though, did give this uh, editor change. It was apparently attributed to, quote, administrative problems, according to Koike, but the new editor, Kengo Manji, who came in, I believe it was around the fourth chapter, uh, he was approved by Koike, and uh, it seems like they had really gotten everything in such a good place, too, that Koike could take off from this project and still have done his great work uh, to get this nervous little pube to like do something decent. You know what I mean? This tiny little turd boy <laughs> finally made a manga that anyone wants to read. Thanks to Koike. Kengo Manji was a more established kind of higher up the ladder editor, which spoke to how much Shonen Jump kind of like believed in this new series and saw its potential. So, you know, I for, you know, not to diminish, uh, uh, Manji's contribution as well because yeah, uh, many people sure. argue that like uh, My Hero Academia sets up really well, the world is built really well, our hero is built up really well but it's not until kind of all the characters are established and we get into like our first tournament arc which is well within uh, Manji's purview that the series truly becomes a must read like unstoppable force within the industry and here's when we get into uh, the whole concept of this really being about a mangaka, uh, a creator of manga, this this series. The first chapter, by the way, is published in Weekly Shonen Jump in July of 2014. Since Horikoshi ended up being drawn to a main character that resembles himself, the series ends up being this big metaphor for his his 
just working life. The main character in the first chapter is similar to Horikoshi after his last attempt at a manga series being depressed and feeling like he couldn't be the thing he truly wanted to be, an artist. And of course, Deku in My Hero wants to truly be a hero. Uh, He then gets inspiration from his past, his old one-shot, which pushes him forward. That could be also seen in uh, My Hero as uh, the character of All Might coming to Deku and and inspiring him and giving him his power. Uh, and that definitely does seem seem like a connector there. Horikoshi said, I personally am often hesitant and have a lot of complexes, so everyone I create turns out that way too. We spoke about this a little earlier in the episode. Also for me, I started writing My Hero Academia with the thoughts, this is my last chance. I'm going to draw try drawing manga just one more time. So a I draw final a, fantasy, if you will. Yes, a final <laughs> fantasy for sure. So I draw a lot of scenes where the characters decide to, quote, try just one more time, end quote, probably because of that. In the first chapter, deep in his heart, Deku has already started giving up, but thanks to All Might giving him his powers, he rethinks to try again one more time. And that way, I feel like I'm drawing the comeback story for every character in My Hero Academia. To draw the drama of a character's comeback, I have to draw their complexes too. So I think this series shows a lot of the characters' complexes. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially in the modern age, especially at a time when, you know, lately too, we've been like holed up inside. There's like mass paranoia. Everybody, I think, is up, up in themselves in a weird negative way at times, especially like hold up in our apartments like we've been over the past year. It, it just, I think that just tons of people can connect a lot more with a Deku than we can a Goku. Oh my God. Well, I mean, oh God, if we get into like the, so, like the societal implications of My Hero Academia, um, the story makes no bones about the fact that superhero society is getting a little like long in the tooth it's getting kind of falling under the weight of its own bureaucracy in a way um all of the villains or at least all the major villains that are showing up in this series are people that this supposedly capable infallible magical society has failed and they want to bring about revolution they want to upend everything to show the world how flawed this system is Whereas uh, Midoriya and especially the other class members of 1A want to preserve it. And they point to the it's constantly pointed out that All Might, this singular Superman figure, is the only thing holding the society together. That no matter how like uh, wrapped up in fame and corruption and internal politics, the superhero world is everyone still has faith in this one guy. It's kind of. All Might is like was the Barack Obama of the superhero world. Well, it's funny, too, because if they knew the truth behind All Might, that he turns into this, you know, that he uses up his power and he turns into this lanky little guy that pukes blood, which, by the way, is why I made that puke blood reference (laughs) uh, at the very beginning of the episode. They'd be terrified. Yes. And uh, yeah, it would be it's just so interesting that it even hinges upon that character. It's interesting how the villains with that knowledge say like, see, our heroes are fake, our heroes are flawed, whereas our heroes look at All Might and go, like, despite everything, it's important that the lie live on, that there is such a thing as a good lie, a good, you know, that uh, it's the good lies that keep society swimming, that let people help each other, that help people get out of bed at the end of the day. And it is a sacred duty for the next generation of uh, leaders in a way, even though, you know, even though heroes is more of a, very complicated service job in this world. Um, the nobility 
of being a selfless hero for smiling even when you're in pain and reassuring people when things are at its most dire is a noble calling and not a bad thing, which is a fascinating thing, uh, especially for uh, a younger generation of anime fans and creators who, uh, you know, if you're in Gen Z, uh, you the world that you were promised is not the world that you are being delivered on. You mentioned like the pandemic, all these societal problems, climate change, the, the walls are kind of closing in and we all need a hero. And Midoriya is the first person with the terrible knowledge that the mm-hmm. big like superhero that'll save everybody isn't going to be there forever. And he is, in fact, on his last legs and mm-hmm. that it really is up to us to kind of save the future. There's also the running theme of our protagonists having to work harder than those around them because those around them have these natural talents that uh, they're immediately successful with. But he has to put in the work to succeed. And again, that's something a lot of artists face. I think one of my biggest influences growing up is a, a jazz pianist named Bill Evans. And my favorite quotes from him were really about how when he started, he looked around and there were all these guys around him that were more naturally talented than him by leagues. But he just put his head down and put the work in and he eventually blew past all those people because they were overconfident with their natural talent. They didn't work as hard. And I think that is definitely a theme in this that is a theme for so many people, art, sports, whatever it is you're into that that this this happens with, you know. But as long as you have that ability to commit and really put the work in, you know, you'll you will eventually blow past those. The people. metaphor goes deep in that regard with superhero yeah. as any sort of uh, competitive endeavor, whether that is arts or sports or just business, um, because every matchup is not only about the individual powers, which can be. You know, being able to summon like millions of volts of electricity or I have a tail. Um, I just have I I have a I have a wagging tail um, where it's a combination of the natural usefulness of your innate talent uh, versus the hard work you put into it versus just your creativity in applying the limited talents that you have. And so I. one kind of someone can break through in hard work, but fail creatively. Someone can uh, break through tactically. It's all these, you know, all the, the different things that lead to success are all in play. And it's uh, and even just people's uh, ability to just razzle dazzle and have good PR is a strength that can sure. hold people back. It's all in play and it all factors into your success as a hero. And anybody pursuing anything can resonate with that. There's a couple more things that you could draw a parallel to the artist's life. All Might pushing himself too hard to the point where he can only be a hero for three hours a day. You could look at that as the overworked mangaka burning themselves out. Deku has a lot of hand and arm injuries constantly that mirror those of a working mangaka. Similar to Invincible, it's one of the first times that the uh, mechanics of super strength actually are treated semi-seriously because the innate issue of giving a 14-year-old child Superman strength (laughs) is immediately he breaks all the bones in his arms whenever he tries to punch something. Yes. And learning how to... Uh, manage that strength and mitigate it and use it wisely in a way that preserves his ability to walk is a huge part of his journey that you can't just punch your way out of everything because you will shatter against the rocks. And again, uh, Horikoshi, uh, we don't know exactly his health problem is, but he has gone on a hiatus before for health problems. Uh, People mentioned that his Uh, characters that are full of complexes and have like drawbacks and weak constitutions uh, are more true to him. 
So, uh, and so many manga creators we've talked about uh, deal with debilitating hand injuries uh, and burnout from being so overworked week in, week out. So it definitely kind of uh, fits with the author as well. Then there's also the artist theme of defying societal norms as Deku is always dealing with not letting society stop him from following his dreams. Following his dreams, definitely you could, you, you, the, the whole concept of that can definitely be applied to any artist struggle early on and people doubting your work and doubting your abilities. And uh, that's also Horikoshi doubting himself and um, overcoming that and finally deciding to write what excited him rather than what you know he thought the public wanted which I think uh, worked quite well in his favor. And uh, that all is to say, I think you can draw a lot of parallels there, but it, it kind of goes past even mangaka to anyone struggling to just do what they want to do with their life or break from the norm. And uh, yeah, it's really, really uh, lovely messages happening all throughout this thing. So let's talk about quirks. The superpowers in the show are referred to as quirks. And um, they are more like special mutations than uh, one that one needs to mold into being a power or else they'd uh, just be a daily hindrance. Hirokoshi said, back when the series first started, sometimes in order to move the story forward or make sure characters fought, that is how quirks were sometimes inspired. But since then, it has been more of a light bulb or aha moment by being inspired by the things around me. For example, with Gran Torino, I came up with his quirk when I was taking a shower. I looked at the shower head and was like, Oh, that would be cool for something to come out of his feet, like have propellant coming out of them. So that is how his cork was inspired. So they, these all, like we said, have these built-in weaknesses, like Tinya's engine legs, for instance, that give him super speed. They can stall out if he doesn't monitor the engines properly, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, it really is fantastic. Are there any, um, do you want to d- call out a few quirks and, and some of their weaknesses? One of my favorite characters, even though he's, uh, is uh, Hantasero, who d- is the uh, tape uh, dispenser guy. He has tape dispensers uh-huh. on his elbows that he uses kind of like Spider-Man webs. Um, Hantasero in Jap, you know, if you pronounce it with Japanese, can be easily turned into Sero Hanta, which like can be kind of cellophane. Like ta- what tape is made out of it's he loves puns. Dude loves puns. So many I mean, don't they all? And I mean that was that was also all the Dragon Ball characters were like food names. <laughs> this this is no different. Like everybody's got everybody's character has double meanings and all this kind of stuff. Love puns over there in Japan. I I without exception, like every character has a downside to using their power too much. Mm. Uh so uh tape guy, tape shoots out of his elbows. He can run out of tape or more aggressively. And this just this just gives me the w- icky wickies. Uh, the friction of the tape dispensing so quickly chafes and chaps his elbow flesh. Ugh. So it starts to bleed just from the friction, which is gross. Ugh. Let's see. Uh, Shoto Todoroki, who is the perfect shonen boy, like uh, can shoot like fire and ice, like on Omega, you know, like human torch, Iceman levels, just like walls of ice, pillars of flame, like near instantaneously. But if he uses one power too much, his body temperature will either burn out or freeze himself. And so he has to make sure he only uses one power and um, like in balance with each other. Uh, Minoru Mineta, who is the pervy little great boy. Uh, I'm just <laughs> yeah, going to acknowledge so it. we're talking about him. Yeah. Uh, he is people point to this character all the time as being total trash, a font of like pervy little uh, anime jokes. He likes to peep on his female classmates. He like just carries porn around like he is every single. I will say 
I don't like the character either, but the hate that I feel like he gets is more from people who like would love to just like share anime with their friends and loved ones, but can't because of characters like this that just yeah, yeah. reflects so poorly on you individually. For, like, <laughs> it's like, yes, I wish this like flavor of humor was kind of eased out of anime, but also personally, it would just be easier for my life if like, I could enjoy anime without these characters reflecting <laughs> poorly on me. Uh, but he shoots uh, hyper-adhesive balls off his head, and if he starts running out of them, his head starts bleeding profusely. <laughs> Momo Yorozu, Momo, I'm just going to say Momo, uh, can create anything out of her skin. She can produce any inorganic object, but she has to wear a revealing costume to have enough exposed skin area in order to create the objects. And it's based on her own uh, fats in her body. So she can run out of fuel and has to like chug protein drinks and like calories in order to keep her powers working. A good shonen fight has a push and pull to it where any character can have the advantage one second and then lose the advantage either through a tactical mistake or a uh, change in the arena or a lot in these shows, they reach the limit of their power just when they are supposed to get victory. And it just gives every character uh, something to manage, something to keep track of. So it's not just about who has the power of friendship or uh, who has mm. a weird ass pull technique that they like were training off screen it just gives everything a little bit more strategy a little bit more limits and a little bit more groundedness as these unconventional powers kind of meet up with each other hop hop hooray nordstrom rack's got sweet deals on everything easter which is sunday march 31st get to nordstrom rack now and save on kate spade new york two-faced steve madden calvin klein and more from just 30 dollars Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I think especially in that second season when they entered like the huge tournament with each other and uh, we we really get into the nitty gritty of power balances and things. It's like if you liked what we talked about on Hunter Hunter or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, there's a lot of that stuff where it's like I have this ability, but you have this ability that counters that ability or or you can exploit this weakness in this certain way and a lot of fun mental math ways that I, I think that Shonen really can excel at when it's really good. There's tons the same way where in JoJo half an episode will be people just trying to figure out the other enemy's stand. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of what is his quirk? How does yes. it work? How do I yes. counter it maneuvering happening between uh, the fights in this show? Totally, totally. Totally. 
Uh, we also have he- the hero job concept here. We we mentioned it a couple times, but just to elaborate a little bit more, that you know a hero is a job that one chooses, and you know your powers don't exactly mean that you have to become a hero. Unlike most Western takes on superheroes, where you get these powers and you must, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That whole thing. It's different here. Uh, the job also involves appearances uh, that are not unlike what one would have to go through as a Japanese idol. And I think some idol culture stuff comes into play when it comes to the hero job. Oh, the uh, role of getting booked by a good agency, getting Uh like pops of good PR, like, yeah, yeah, trying to keep your name in the headlines is absolutely in play. Also, the motivations to become a hero can be a lot more varied, such as Ochako wanting to provide for her family, or as we mentioned with Mineta, just wanting to meet girls. So again, it's not like, you know, I feel like in classic Western superhero stuff, it's either revenge or some kind of duty to humanity to protect them. You know, it's like some, it's all a very similar motivations usually. And in this one, it's just all, all over the place. Cause again, it's a job. Uh, a couple more things about Deku before we move on and talk about a couple more other characters before we get into the anime. Deku, like Horikoshi, is very obsessive with his note taking. You can see this in Deku's notes in the anime compared to shots of Horikoshi's own notes for character designs and whatnot. Deku is also a big old fanboy which much like Horikoshi, which is also has made Deku a mascot for anime fanboys in a lot of ways, just his character in in and of itself. Deku's weakling nature may also come from Horikoshi's chronic health issues. We'll talk about that. They end up going full digital with his uh, manga work because of his health issues in a a lot of ways. Um, All of these traits also make him the anti-shonen protagonist. Like I said earlier, Horikoshi said, I used green because I felt like a color that cannot be the leading character. I wanted to create a quiet, subdued character that gave the impression that they were not a lead protagonist slash might hero. Since it is a color that is not included in the All Might design, I think it matches the story in My Hero Academia. And I use it as it is from the short story. So this is mm-hmm. this is how deep this rabbit hole goes. <laughs> Every anime is almost defined by the uh, rival. Think uh, Goku and Vegeta. Think Naruto and Sasuke. And uh, the core rivalry in this show is uh, Midoriya, Deku, and Bakugo, who we really haven't talked about. Um, Bakugo is literally Midoriya's childhood bully who has, a in the world of our heroes, a deemed useful at birth, impressive power. He sweats nitroglycerin and therefore can cause explosions, which you think would be a very limited power, but he shows a genius-like creativity. He can use a series of short explosives to like let him fly in a very bombastic, dynamic way. He learns to like concentrate the power of his explosions into like tight-focused beams of heat. Whereas Goku and Naruto are both like the hot tempered, like idealistic, go gung ho, gambate, uh, hot blooded heroes, usually colored uh, in a red color scheme. Uh, Bakugo is the rival and Midoriya, who is more patient, more tactical and believes in like kind of doing things, uh, you know, as by the book kind of representing tradition is the hero in this one. And so it's a complete 180 where the kind of it's Midoriya is a, again, an anti shonen protagonist and the rival is the more hot blooded, literally exploding with hot blooded energy. Uh The uh, kind of drive that Bakugo has to like be better than Midoriya to like 
uh, upholds his promise as a young boy to like not be outpaced by this kid he was like lesser he deemed lesser than um there's a whole uh arc in the show where the villains see bakugo and his like temper and rage and is like oh, we're going to do a Sasuke on this guy. We're going to bring him over to the dark side and it's going to be like this big fuck you to our heroes that we turned one of them. And like, uh, I don't know, I guess it's a spoiler. I don't know. Basically, when like after all this rigmarole, after all of these like massive fights and kidnapping plans, they finally get Bakugo into the criminal hideout and it's like, join us and you will be more powerful than you could ever imagine. And Bakugo's like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, <laughs> I don't want to be. I want to be the best hero. I want to kick my friend's ass at being the best hero. I don't want to be a bad guy. Why did you think I wanted to be a bad guy? You shitheads. Like it's so brilliant and such a great subversion That's and so such good. a great character moment. I, and I, I swear, even though we, I, I know I just said it, it was a spoiler, like JoJo, like One Piece, like all the other shonen animes we talked about, all these great moments, you can read them on paper, but when you see it or read it for yourself, when it happens, it hits just as hard. Hell yeah. A little bit about All Might, uh, just the the fact that I, I think it's great that All Might is kind of Horikoshi's editor voice. Horikoshi said, the character I'm attached to is All Might. He's been pulling me along since the first chapter. I remember when I was writing the third and fourth chapter, my editor at the time was like, I got it. We can end the chapter with All Might saying something. He's closing every chapter. All Might always says good lines for me, like, you can be a hero, or this is your hero academia. All Might laid the rails for this manga. He's also based on, of course, Goku and the classic uh, Superman concept. I don't know why I need to explain this. If you're listening to this, you clearly know what All Might looks like. But just to say... Yeah, it's so Rob Liefeld. <laughs> of all the superheroes in... Um, my Hero Academia, All Might looks the most like a classic comic book hero to the point where he is literally inked and shaded in a different style than all the other characters. Yeah. He has heavy blacks kind of uh, blocking out his uh, in a very uh, aggressive musculature. And he looks like he was plucked out of a Western comic book and placed into an anime world. Particularly a Rob Liefeld drawing. is, uh, But uh, yes, in general, Western superhero. The analogy goes so hard that in the... Um, uh, what was what's the movie called? It's either like two. I think Heroes Rising is the second movie. So I think in Two Heroes, I think is the name of the first movie. Yes, they show All Might before he studied heroing in America, and he has anime style shading in those flashbacks. And it's only when he comes back from That's the West hilarious. that he's all inked out like a Rob Liefeld guy. I love that. And man, just Google search if you've never seen this anime before. Look up the villains in this show. They are every design pops every. Design design just so amazing so eye-catching horikoshi said when creating most of my villain characters i think about how i can bring out a sense of disgust for these characters among the reader's psyche i've always been a fan of horror and slasher films and that aspect interests me a lot all for one specifically is definitely based on darth vader with the black helmet look uh who had to battle the protagonist mentor at one point in the past even very based on on vader himself very cool character design all of them though man just look it up so good i mean every just every one of those awesome pictures of just all the characters together in like one big mass you know or like a bunch of them at least 
it always just looks immediately you look at that. It kind of reminds me of when I saw the movie poster for the Royal Tannenbaums. <laughs> and I was like, I need to see this movie immediately. Like just the just everybody's distinctive looks all together in one spot just makes you totally want to just get to know all of these characters. The villains really do uh, like they are terrifying. Uh, the main villain that we follow throughout the series is Tomura Shigaraki. Uh, who has is covered in disembodied hands that he uses as like yes. a mask and costume. Awesome. His power is to literally decay flesh around him, which is terrifying. Another villain named Overhaul can like reconfigure matter and flesh and morphs himself into all these gross monsters. The League of Villains all have like uh, anything from the bioengineer Nomu, which are these like fucked up monsters with exposed brains, to uh, characters like Muscular, who has super strength, but it's he gains it through uh, literally just overlaying muscle tissue over his skin and like horrifying like bumpy layers over himself. Even the quote unquote cute like Harley Quinn of the group uh, Toga. <laughs> who you will see way too much fan art of uh, is the ultimate Yandere who has like these cute messy buns and like kind of this schoolgirl aesthetic. But then when she smiles, she has this horrifying death grin of sharp fangs to kind of denote her blood based powers and is genuinely terrifying when she's on screen. Like the villains are super strong as well in a way that I just you leave while while the horror is all there. Every single one of them, except for maybe uh, All for One, who is given a tragic backstory and at least some level of understanding, which uh, helps because it gives every fight meaning. You know why the hero is fighting and you know why the villain is fighting. Mm -hmm. it, it gives so much emotional impact to even a side fight between side characters. Mm -hmm. So, yes, the anime adaptation produced by Toho and animated slash co-produced by Studio Bones. Uh, and we mentioned that before, but though Bones has been known for its high-quality animation, this was their first long-running Shonen series, which could be a great challenge for the studio. So they did have to do a little less detailed work for more output, but still... It is more beautifully drawn than most animes out there. They also do a great job of animating the many art styles of Horikoshi's work, since it is quite a meld. Also, unlike many passion and anime productions, the show is put out in blocks, like we mentioned, rather than a continuous output. It, it becomes a hit immediately, and this also uh, surges the manga's popularity, and it's probably due to the timing of its release in 2016. So yeah, superhero fever in America has reached like, reached like a fever pitch now, right? Like mm -hmm. we are dealing with this like massive wave of Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, and it's also at a time that shonen genre is definitely in need of a fresh new angle. All of this comes together and just... It just blows the doors off of uh, off of the uh, anime hype train, essentially, because so many people just wanted something new for Shonen, and also every not just America but Japanese audiences too are just all about the MCU and this whole big wave of superhero stuff. So it just is absolutely hugely successful in its run. Has been still, I mean, something again. You told me early on. 
And now I even think like the logo and everything, everybody just knows what this is basically without even having ever read or seen any of it because of the popularity that it it managed to achieve. Also, though, more recently in July of 2020, it was announced that due to pandemic and Horikoshi's health, the My Hero Academia manga would be shifting to a fully digital production and has been that way since chapter 278. In March of 2021, along with chapter 306 of My Hero Academia, it was announced that the manga was entering its final arc. This is unique for both the shonen and superhero genres, though we did also just see this with our Invincible episode, which again, I talked about the striking animation and and it's like a striking but simple animation approach, I feel like, that also Invincible had. Um, and, and all this subversion stuff going on as well. The original ending Horikoshi was going to use ended up being used in the third movie and involved Deku, uh, Bakugo, and One for All in a big final fight. Or I think the second movie, actually. Second movie. Oh, my God. I watched the second movie for this episode, and I cannot believe what they... I, I don't want to spoil it, but they do something crazy uh, to in the final act of that movie to the point where I like literally had to stop the stop the movie marie was like what's going on i was like they can't the whole point of anime movies uh-huh. since especially anime tie-in movies with shonen is they get a, a jabroni here a villain that is only going to appear in this movie the main characters do some cool shit but nothing actually matters nothing that happens in the movie can affect what happens in the rest of the yes the, the thing because it because the movies are always a supplement to the anime and the manga and they did such a crazy thing in that movie that i i was like they can't do this they literally they're breaking the laws well, it's funny this? that you say that because first, yeah, it's definitely canon. And too, then within five minutes, they go, actually, that, uh, what we just did didn't count. It didn't count. <laughs> it's, it didn't happen. That didn't happen. It didn't. Don't worry. We didn't actually do that. And I was like, oh, you can, that's fucking yes, crazy. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Horikoshi kind of regrets doing this, by the way, using this ending for that second movie. It did uh, push him to find, though, an even more satisfying close of the series is what he says. So hopefully that's true. Speaking of the movies, there have been two with the third coming. First, there's My Hero Academia, Two Heroes, mentioned earlier. It's about Deku and his fellow students traveling to an island. I like what it's for, for a superhero and technology convention. So it's a con. It's a movie centered around a con. They end up having to step up and fight against a villain group sent by All for One. Horikoshi said, I felt that getting your work made into a movie is only something that'll only happen maybe once in your life as a creator. So I wanted to make it something I wouldn't regret. I wanted to be involved. I shared ideas like Young All Might and having All Might and Izuku fight together with the movie team so I would have no regrets. I thought there could be nothing better than what we came up with. I cried the first time I saw the full movie. It was even more amazing than I had imagined. And the action was amazing too. The first movie also allowed Horikoshi to explore All Might's history like you mentioned, which is really cool and uh, and allows them to team up, which can only happen at this point in in the whole thing because of things that they did in the manga and this, that, and the other. So it was like the only time you'll see them get to fight together, which is a lot of fun. The movie is released in 2018. It's very well received. It does great at the box office and leads to a second film, My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising. Again, Class 1A, 
They go to an island. Just stop going to islands, guys. It never works out. This time, it's for them to essentially intern as pro heroes in a very like low stakes town. They can sort of do their thing, get the you know learn the ropes. But uh, unfortunately, that all gets dashed when a villain named Nine, empowered by All for One, who can use nine different powers, shows up at the island to fight the class. The only thing I have issue with in My Hero Academia is the fact that our main hero uses a power called One for All, and our main villain is called All for One. Yes. Just, it gets very confusing, and I get confu- I get it mixed up all the time. Um, it's to the point where uh, in the fan translations that I, I had to shotgun because I can't afford to buy 800 volumes of manga, um, they just started using the phrase Ofa and Afo just to like... <laughs> Just so you could read them as distinct words. That's funny. This film has Horikoshi supervising again with returning director from the first film, Kenji Nagasaki, who nailed it, as well as the writer from the first film, Yosuke uh, Kurodo, uh, and returning character designer, Yoshihiko Umakoshi, as well as returning composer, Yuki Hayashi. So definitely has a nice pedigree to it. You definitely can feel that connection between the films because a lot of the same people came back. The goal was to give more screen time to the other members of Class 1A, and each of them gets a major scene in this film, and also... uh, Uh, We get to spotlight the relationship between Bakugo and Deku uh, with that big crazy ending that Jake was talking about. It was released at the end of 2019 uh, slash beginning of 2020, depending on where in the world you were. And because of the pandemic, it was actually 33 in the U.S. box office, which is kind of crazy for an anime film. The third upcoming film will be called My Hero Academia, the movie World Heroes Mission. And it looks to be focused on Deku, Bakugo, and Todoroki as a team-up trio. So that'll be interesting. Uh, besides that, we've got a bunch of video games. I uh, My Hero Academia Battle for All, My Hero Academia Smash Tap, a bunch of stuff like that. But it's most known in terms of the video game world for the Arena Fighter series, My Hero Academia One's Justice. Jake, you played a little bit. It looked great. Definitely your standard anime arena fighter. Nothing Very really much new if there. You played so. the, uh, if you played the 800,000 Naruto arena fighters yeah, that came that. out, <laughs> it's pretty much that. It's fun to see the characters rendered in 3D. A great love letter mm-hmm. to the series. Lots of fun animations and tidbits. And that crisp, it has that crisp, simple, clean animation style, too, that is actually draws the I did it. return it within two hours of purchasing <laughs> it for a Steam refund because I will never play it after uh, this week is over. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's, you know, if you're hype about this anime, that's probably where you should go if you want a video game adaptation. Those uh, those uh, arena fighters, one's justice. Uh, There's also some spinoffs. Uh, the there's a chibi gag manga as tends to be the case my hero academia smash which is collected into five volumes running for a couple years back in 2015 the sp- still running my hero academia vigilantes takes place in a low Ooh, muy in- caliente los I know, vigilantes. Right? vigilantes I know I'd notice how weird I said that but that's fine <laughs> sometimes I say American weird uh, words weird too I don't I don't just have to say Japanese words weird it takes place in a low income city that centers around a group of vigilantes uh, taking it upon themselves to protect the town citizens as they can't afford pro heroes, which I think is a really fun concept and a nice way to play with some new characters such as Knuckle Duster, which is definitely the Batman of the Mm. series. Very fun. The most recent spinoff is called My Hero Academia Team Up Missions and follows various different characters that decide to team up together for different jobs. Very much like, again, Western comics and 
different offshoots that they do where they're like, now it's these two. Look what these two could do together. And you enjoy the show. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. I've got one awesome final quote that kind of sums up, I think, what people love about this show. Jake, do you have anything to say before I fucking blast it out of the park with this final quote quote? So there's beginning to be a little bit of a pushback against My Hero Academia. Many people are kind of saying it's overhype. A lot of old school fans of Shonen are saying, you know, like it's kind of a part of the soap opera week to weakness of it was part of the appeal and uh, having it be a, like a nice but intermittent season thing kind of ruins what makes it special. Some people just say it's overhyped and that it's nothing exceptional, but I disagree. I really think if the idea of a hero with a uh, lot of work behind him trying to blast through an, a seemingly insurmountable obstacle uh, while soaring music plays and he delivers that perfect right punch to the face of a villain that uh, a couple episodes ago seemed completely unbeatable, uh, if if that doesn't get your blood pumping, if in this world you are too jaded to believe in heroism and justice and pushing past all the things that hold you back and going plus ultra above and beyond, like you will enjoy this show. It's just too yeah. beautifully made. The characters are too uh, memorable. It's just everything. And the humor is great. Like it has that one punch man kind of self-referential meta humor going oh, on yeah, as so well. To the point where like, and this actually holds up uh, between all of uh, Horikoshi's work previously. He will lampshade the fuck out of anything. He will just have characters be like, it's weird that you've changed your tune or like, hey, you've, you're breaking character right now. Or like, hey, how'd everything get fixed so quickly? Like, yeah. he does not give a fuck. And it's really great. It's, you know, uh, people say meat and potatoes. Like, it's a bad thing, but a filet mignon and a perfect Hasselback is still one of the most delicious things you can eat. No, That's yeah. right. I'm talking about Hasselback potatoes. No, you I know. You cut them up yeah. real nice. You put the butter and the garlic in the ridges. Oh, yeah, mm. dude. Texas toast. And I think anything that brings a lot of new people into the genre is going to get that kind of criticism. But I agree. I just think it's absolutely fantastic to the point where I'm mad because I have another thing I have to watch now. And I'm still working my way through Hunter Hunter. <laughs> All right. Uh, regardless, here's a final quote from, uh, which is funny that this is called Mother's Basement. Uh, this is a YouTube channel that does a lot of like stuff about anime and things like that. Um, because wasn't Mother's Basement one of the potential Wizard and the Bruiser uh, uh, Mommy's Basement. show type? Mommy's Basement was potentially what you were going to refer to your podcast that you listen to as, but luckily we changed it to Wizard and the Bruiser. So this is from Mother's Basement, a YouTube uh, video channel that uh, does really good work. The world that today's kids are growing into just isn't the one that they were promised growing up. Technology and human capabilities are constantly evolving, but in many ways, your societies and cultures have failed to keep up. Old heroic symbols designed to prop up the social order have become cracked and faded with time. The students reading My Hero Academia now are set to inherit a world that's a lot less stable and a lot more dangerous than ours is today. The consequence of past generations' failures to fix the broken systems running it in the face of all that, it's hard not to feel like it's naive to envision a brighter future for humanity. But kids are nothing if not naive. They're also clever, resourceful, defiant, and capable of far more than we give them credit for. And My Hero Academia, alongside Dr. Stone, The Promised Neverland, Boruto, Black Clover, and all the great shonen manga and anime that preceded them, is sending its audience one simple message over and over again. In many forms, children have the power to change the world. 
Uh, awesome stuff, man. Thanks again to our researcher, Sean. He didn't ask us to do this, but I am going to go ahead and have to plug his podcast, Sonic Podcast Adventure. Check it out. Uh, it is a, a Sonic the Hedgehog podcast, anything that's Sonic related, and uh, we hope you check it out. Uh, I think it'd be a nice little companion to Wizard and the Bruiser. Once again, that's Sonic Podcast Adventures. And uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I want to thank the Academy. <laughs> I want to thank uh, my agent who um, really helped me get the role of Bruiser in Wizard and the Bruiser. Now, uh, also, I want to plug my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Check us out Monday, Tuesday, Friday night streams. Love it when Wizard of the Bruiser fans pop in and say hello for the first time. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Uh, also, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wizbrew for $5 a month. We do weekly bonus episodes and we also, for $15 a month, you can join us for our Sunday study session where we hang out and hey, in this case, we watched episodes of My Hero Academia and stuff like that and chatted about why the show is so beloved. That kind of good stuff. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Jake! Hold on, I don't know if you mentioned this, but our Patreon is uh, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew where uh, you keep this show running. If you have learned to rely on us for your commutes, your daily chores, your uh, just trying to silence the inner screaming that pervades throughout and you find comfort in that, uh, it, consider going to that Patreon page and tossing us uh, a bonus episode subscription, a study session subscription. I, you will enjoy it. We will enjoy it because that means we get to live on this planet more. And uh, it helps us out immensely. Otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter at BestJakeYoung to read all my thoughts and plops and get uh, chunky little nuggets of uh, research for upcoming episodes that I'm coming across on this big, wide world that we call the Internet. Hell yeah. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.